0: You're listening to That's The Industry Podcast, episode number seven. Today, we are talking about quitting your passion. Obviously, I would never condone somebody to do that, but today's guest almost did. He is a super, super, super talented individual who produces his own music, performs his own music. He even uprooted his life. All the way to Los Angeles, only to realize that it wasn't what he thought it would be. And we are going to talk about his journey from start to finish. Let's go. You're listening to That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry. Directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, everyone? Thomas Jordan here with another episode. Today, we are talking to Jonathan Peake, a.k.a. Sinai. This guy produces and performs his own music. He has been in the industry now for about eight years. He's representing Knoxville, Tennessee. What's going on, man?
1: What's up, man? Glad to be here.
0: Dude, it is finally, I'm glad we finally got to <laughs> finally. actually do this. and We met on Instagram uh mm-hmm. via a Gary V post a Gary Vaynerchuk post
1: right right completely random <laughs>
0: <laughs> but before we really get into that I kind of want to get started kind of where you started in the uh in the music industry
1: yeah man so uh let's see about eight years ago um I dropped out of college uh I wasn't really sure what I was wanting to do with my life um I was I, I was a terrible student in high school, and then uh, I barely graduated, and then went straight to college. And while I was in college, I was again flunking every class possible. <laughs> um, and it, it just got to a point where I was like, I mean, I don't know why I'm here or what I'm doing. I'm out of grant money, so if I continue to go to school, I'll be going into my own pockets and I'll go into debt. And and, and what is it going to be for? You know, like I'm not doing good. I don't know what I want to do. I was just. Completely clueless. So uh, I remember I was in one of my classes and I was just sitting there looking at this piece of paper. We were doing a, like a quick little essay, and I was just sitting there. I was like, "Why am I even here? Like, why am I even doing this? Like, what do I want to do? What does Jonathan want for for himself?" So um, after that class, I went straight home and I didn't look at college uh, a second time. I just I, I sat in my room that day and really dissected who I am and wanted to figure out what I wanted to do. Like, what do I enjoy? And can I make that some kind of career? Can I make that into something that can um, be lifelong, uh, that I can see myself doing for my for a lifetime? Um, and, you know, I, I looked through things I like, like drawing, video games, and all that stuff. And then I looked at music, and was like, well, I've never considered music as a career. Why don't I try to invest in this? Why don't I give it a shot? Why don't I look into it and And see what I can make out of it. Um, just, just give it a try. I mean, if nothing comes out of it, then nothing comes out of it. But if I feel like I'm called to do it, then I'm just going to go all in. So that that's really where it all started. Um, and then I, I, I got one of my friends to download, um, FL studio back when it was called Fruity Loops. He downloaded it (laughs) illegally on my computer, but Fruity uh, Loops, Yeah, (laughs) man. it was way back man back when it was like when people used to get on free Loops all the time make fun of it because it was just like a really cheap like uh interface um but i used it and uh i just from there man it was just it all just started to make sense like everything just clicked for me like i would just sit in my room and the second i'd start writing something or recording something it just I was like in some kind of zone that like it didn't matter if like bombs were going off around me or everything was just going wrong around me. I was just locked in. I just felt like I was doing what I was supposed to do. Um, and from there, man, I just just kept trying to learn and and dig in and try different things. And I mean, that's really where it all started, man.
0: Fruity Loops, I remember vaguely because you, you can make beats. It's got some stuff in there. I think I remember like three, six mafia talking about it one time. And I was like, Oh, their beats are cool. This sounds super easy. And then I actually tried it for not even five minutes. I was like, Oh, like this is, this is no joke. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it just made some, but it was just one of those things where you felt that you, cause you, I call it the click where you just kind of feel like this is what you're supposed to be doing.
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And it was just like, I, I just knew like, and you just know, like, whenever you're doing something and you feel like you're just in your element and it, it might not make sense to anybody else but yourself, I mean, like, you just know. Um, and there have been times where I just was like, well, maybe this isn't working. No one's listening to me. Like, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm just going to stop. And I had a lot of those moments where I just felt like, OK, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do because I'm not really getting any traction. I mean, eight years. I mean, a lot of artists these days, they, they see they. Get this conception that like, oh, if I just make really dope beats and just say a few words and it's catchy here in a few months, I'll get discovered or here in like a year or so, I'll get discovered. No, like it takes a lot of time, especially if you're trying to do it the right way. So eight years of just like trying and failing and getting made fun of and like thinking your songs are a joke and just, like you know, I'm going to quit. But every time I told myself I quit and I was just done, I always found myself coming straight back to it. And that's how I I knew it was just like this is what I'm supposed to do. Like nothing else has screamed louder in my spirit than than music. No matter how much I I tried to be done with it because I was just tired of failing, I always wanted to come back to it and try harder and improve upon myself.
0: Do you ever feel like you're like even though you know music in your hardest of hardest of heart to your core is like your central thing? Like that is your thing do you find it weird as a creative that you sometimes will almost find any excuse to like steer away from it?
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's just that, that part of us that's like, you know, we, we try to, I don't know. It's like when you get in a, in a place where you're just like, ah, you know what, this isn't working. I, I don't feel good about this. I think it's like playing off your feelings because your feelings can be dangerous if you don't know how to really, train them and focus on them and know which feelings to really listen to your feelings will navigate your entire day for good or for better for worse and if you play off your feelings when you know the music's just not there the inspiration's not there you're not getting listens your your plays aren't up then it will just put you in this place that like oh you know maybe this isn't what i'm supposed to do i mean there's people that are that are, you know, making a lot of money, that are very successful, millions of plays, you know, they're well known, and they still will get tipped off on one comment on like their YouTube video about the music video, and like, oh, you know, this this music's trash, or this sucks, that one comment, and that person can take that, and it get into the root of their feelings, it's like, you know what, maybe, maybe I need to change this, maybe I need to stop, maybe I need to take a break. Out of the millions of people that love their music, it just takes one or two comments, so, I think it's just letting feelings get in the way that can really deviate you from, from that, from being a creative. Like when, when you're getting told no, or it's not good, or, Oh, your content's not good. You're getting made fun of. You gotta, you gotta kind of shut those out. Like, you know how Gary Vee, like since we we're talking about it earlier, how Gary Vee says, like, I ignore the negative comment. I, I tune out the negative comments and I tune out the positive comments because if I let those things in, I can, my feelings will get like implemented into them and then it'll just deviate my day. Like I'll I'll live my day based off off of what I'm being told or the reception I'm getting, or, you know, people telling me they like this or they don't like it. So yeah, I think it's just feelings and and just getting control of those.
0: You took a break from music uh, back in August at the time of recording this of 2019, it's 2020 now. Um, Why, what prompted that break from music?
1: Uh, man, it, a lot was happening in my life. Um, and it felt like everything that could possibly go wrong was going wrong. Um, whenever, whenever I was writing the album, I uh, actually anticipated it to be the last one I ever wrote. That's why I, 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 the title was called Endgame because it was just, you know, it's the final one. I'm gonna give everything I have into it because I just don't have any this was my thought process is like i just don't have any anymore like i don't have anything else in me to give to this it's been eight years um i'm getting traction now but it's like i feel like i've given my all in these eight years and then it's finally getting some attention and it's just like i don't have the drive anymore and on top of that like life's endeavors was really getting to me so i was like you know what i'm just gonna give it my all for this album and if i get attention and if people listen to it and if i get you know some some stuff going then you know i'm going to write it out and i'm going to continue to dig deep and push in but if you know if nothing if nothing happens and uh, no one listens to it nothing talks no one talks about it then you know i'll just i'll take it as you know that dream it's time to retire it and move on to something else but um it was just a lot of stuff i was going through in my life at the time and um i was just at the point where like I just want to try one more time. Um, it's been hard, but I want to try one more time to, to make something that people like. And if they enjoy it, then, you know, I'll know that I, I got to keep going. And sure enough, I mean, when I released it, it was for me, one of the biggest releases. It was, it was the biggest releases I've ever, I ever had. Um, and I have people talking about it still to this day. I mean, thousands of people across the world listen to it. It was just, for me, it was like, it was an eye opener. Like, okay, I've now, now I'm, now I know like it's what I'm supposed to do. Like it's, it's resonating with people. It's finally resonating with people. I'm finally hitting my, I'm finally finding my sound. I'm finally finding my groove, my, my, who I am. I'm finally putting that into my music and people are finally understanding and resonating. So I was just starting to really just ride that wave and just continue to press in.
0: And I'm so glad, honestly, that it, ended up being like that because when I saw that video of you taking a break, cause I know as like a creative things get, you know, life happens, things get frustrated, but man, like even when we first started talking, cause we resonated with your LA story, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But I remember you telling me, you know, I do, you know, uh, you make your own music more of like rapping and hip hop and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, you know, in LA, everybody's like a rapper or producer, you know what I'm saying? Right, so it was right. like, okay, well let's, you know, he's got the same story. Let's check it out. And I clicked on it and dude, I was just like blown away. <laughs> it's weird because like everybody that I've like come to and like ran into in Los Angeles, it was almost like they were more, they were trying to be cool and you listen to their stuff and it's like, eh, well, okay. Yeah, but then yeah. like I saw yours and I was just like, but I could tell like you're producing you're writing. It's just crazy, man. I'm super glad you stuck with it and you're still doing it.
1: I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I mean, yeah, it, it's like, I don't really talk about it much, but I have, from the beginning, I've been doing this by myself. Like in in the very, be- at <laughs> the very beginning of this whole journey, it was not by choice. It was definitely not by choice. Um, I was so hungry. For a team. I was so hungry for a producer, a songwriter, a manager. You know how people artists are like, oh man, I need a manager. Like I was so hungry for a manager, a label. Like I was just chasing people down, trying to get help um to, to make this dream become something. And it just never worked out because people really didn't believe in my sound, or I wasn't I wasn't trying to be fit in that mold that you, you see in LA, you know, like those, like you were saying, like those guys that you meet, like they're trying to fit fit into this mold and this trend that is just like, that's everywhere, which, you know, will talk to them, but that's not who I wanted to be. I wanted to be who I am. I wanted to be raw. I wanted to be unique because we're all unique, but I wanted to showcase my uniqueness and my music. And it just didn't really click with anybody that I brought it to. So it just got to the point where I was like, you know what, if no one wants to help me, I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to buy the books I need to learn about the industry. I'm going to learn how to market my product. I'm going to learn how to songwrite. I'm going to learn how to record, mix, master, produce, upload, figure out the music distributors. Like, everything you see on social media is what I've done because I haven't. I didn't have a team. I had to teach myself how to, how to have a team. So um, I don't like to talk about it much because I don't like to play the, you know, woe is me kid, but, I mean, it, it's hard. Like, eight years of doing this stuff by yourself, it's hard, but... I'm just glad I, I um, I'm continuing to press on because you know, like you said, you you resonated with my stuff. So that means you know, okay, I'm I'm on the right track. Like I'm getting somewhere. So I just need to, you know, press into to what's happening and just make it grow.
0: How long would you say? Because I mean, producing music is not it's not just one thing, you know, I mean, there's softwares now like Pro Tools and things like that. But I mean, like how many different aspects like to produce your own, to to produce a track, like what all goes into it?
1: Oh, man. First, you got to figure out what kind of DAW uh, that you like. Like, I, I remember when my friend downloaded this software on my computer, he downloaded Fruity Loops and Ableton. And the very first one I opened up was Ableton and it was just a bunch of knobs and I had no idea what I was doing. It literally opened up to like, like 80 knobs. And I didn't know where to start, where to go, like what, how to even record, if my mic was plugged in correctly. So I uninstalled it and I had no idea I uninstalled a $500 piece of software, but I did. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I, I was like, oh wow. I realized that like a few weeks later, I was like, oh wow, I could have used that. But um, it all worked out because then I, I went opened up Free Loops and it was laid out a little bit simpler for me. I was like, okay, I, I can see like, this is the record, this is where this goes. And man, YouTube was my best friend for a while because I didn't know what I was doing. Literally, like you just take someone who wants to produce and you throw them in front of software to produce and you just don't know where to start. So I had to learn like I had to go on YouTube and learn like where like mixing, mastering, where channels, like how to level out your vocals. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean. You have to make sure the volumes, you're not oversaturating certain volumes. You're not peaking on certain tracks. It There's a lot that goes into it. I mean, a lot that would take hours to explain, but um, for the sake of conversation, I mean, I had to learn how to, I had to learn my voice. I had to learn what went best with my voice, what kind of plugins went best with my voice. Um, and I'm still fine tuning that to this day. After eight years, I'm still trying to do it. Um, because everybody's voice is different. Some people have more bass. Some people have, um, you know, more highs in their voice. So you have to watch meters. You have to look and see what resonates well with your voice. And then you have to learn how to edit your voice. You have to learn how to, you're, you're literally like a surgeon, like going in there, chopping up different things. Like it, it's, man, it, it's a lot to to try and, and figure out, but Once I started getting the groove, like everything started to become second nature to me. Like, oh, I know I need to add these plugins in. Oh, I know this plugin needs to be a certain ratio. I need, I know I need to turn this up a certain way because I've learned my voice. I've learned what goes well in my voice. I've learned how to, um, how to mix and master volume. Um, so yeah, it's just a lot that goes into it, man. And there's probably, I'm probably making producers cringe right now because they're like, no, there's so much more to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it takes a lot, but you definitely have to know how to use the pro- program that you're working with and you have to know your voice and what works with your voice the 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 best.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't stop. And I feel like that's almost no mat. And I always say like in the entertainment industry, we're all in the same boat, just in different sections, because mm-hmm. even even if you were a YouTuber, like not only do you have to it's like, okay, I could easily. the short version is, oh, you know, you got to learn how to shoot right and edit your own content. Well, okay. Well, then you go turn on your camera and then, well, why is my image blue right. or orange? And it's like, well, why does, what's that hissing noise with the, with the microphone or like, oh, you need an external microphone. Oh, and then you got to learn those settings. And then you got to learn, it just, dude, it does not stop. Right. <laughs> and I think that, and I think that frustrates a lot of people too.
1: I remember when I was doing photography and I was, uh, I was trying to do vlogging and I was working on blogging um, on YouTube and oh my God, like <laughs> when I got a camera and I was recording my stuff, like I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, why does my stuff look like this? And then these guys that do it on YouTube, like <laughs> it looks so much clearer. Like why does my stuff look blue? And why can I see my face? And it's uploaded, but it's grainy. Like there's so much to all these different things. Like, and you have to spend a lot of time in your craft to really get good at it. And I I'm sure you're well aware of that, man. Like your first time recording, you look and you're like, wait a second, this doesn't look like that video. And that video has a lot of views and this this guy's teaching how to do it. So he clearly knows what he's doing. So I need to figure out what I'm doing wrong. It's just like and you just you keep at it, you keep at it, and then you learn your space, you learn um your camera and what settings work best with, you know, the lighting you have and the the kind of lens you have and this just it's learning what you have with you and who you are and what works best with you. And, and it's like, it's almost like it's becoming synonymous with your equipment. Like it's becoming synonymous with what you're working with because that is how, that's how you make this work. You have to become one with the program or the equipment. Um, You have to understand who you are. You have to really dig deep into what makes you, you and then just blend that into the equipment and the, the technology and, and it just, it just goes up from there.
0: Have you ever, uh, when you were learning to produce and you're learning all these things, have you ever spent either hours or sometimes days working, trying to figure out like a little problem and come to find out it was like right in front of you the whole time and oh you just God. had to switch something off?
1: Yeah. Like uh, mainly with like, there'd be times where like I would be working on a song and I could never get the leveling right on a song. And I'm like, why does this sound so loud? And it would just be, it'd be volume. Volume would be like, it would get to me and it was like, it would mess me up. And then this this has happened twice so far uh, in my career. And then I'd realized that like, it's literally just a plugin. It's one plugin that has something locked on in the settings that like, no matter how many times I try to change it, it would just, it would automatically swap it back. So I just had to delete the, the lock on the plugin and it fixed everything. It's like I was literally like, because I was looking. I was like, sometimes when I play a song, like the dial would go back up even though I turned it down. Like, what in the world? I did not do that. And then I'd, I'd go in and be like, "There's a lock on it." I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! Like, it, it, it would take days until I realized that. Like, I, I it's. It's a slap in the face. Like you got to laugh at yourself, but it's like
0: for sure that it's got to be funny because if you did like, I think at first it's just, you get super angry and it's like anybody else you want to throw your computer or whatever out the window. But once you figure it out, it's just like, you got to eventually laugh about it. And it's not funny then, but it makes for a good story later.
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent.
0: And as far as when you start writing your music, what is your process when you start to actually put words to page?
1: So it really depends Um, what has been happening uh, recently is so I'll listen to a beat. There's a few guys that I um, I buy my beats from that I that I know fairly well that I trust because they they know what they're doing with the mastering and the quality of their beats. Um, But I'll listen to their their beats. They'll sometimes they'll send me like a little pack of them just to go through and see what I like. And I'm so so like critical about beats. If I don't like what I hear in like the first two seconds, and I'm not and I'm not exaggerating, if I don't like what I hear in the first two or three seconds, I skip it. Like it, it, it. That's how quick I am to to go on to the next thing. It's like how you see. A, they say a and rs when they're listening to music that artists submit like they have you have to hook their attention like for the first 5 seconds like it, that is true like i'll listen to a beat and if i don't hear what i'm looking for in the first few seconds i immediately go to the next thing but if i hear a beat and i'm able to let it play then melodies immediately start coming to me so they so i start out with like a melody or a sound in my head normally it's a hook uh, it will typically be like a hook and I'll just hum out a hook um, and I'll hum out the cadence, how I would like it to sound. And from there, I try to uh, put words in place of the humming. Um, I'll either do that or I'll have the words first and I'll think up the words and then I'll think up the melody around it. But normally it it, it starts with the hook. Um, there's been a few times where verses would come to me, um, but if I'm hearing a beat that like hits really hard, n- which they normally do on hooks, um, I'll hear a melody in my head, I'll hum it. If I'm at work, then I have to like run to the bathroom and like record, cause I can't record it out out on the floor. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's like, it, it gets, I get excited. Like when I feel that melody in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, And I immediately, open up my voice memos and I start recording like the melody, even if it's just like a, uh, like, even if it's just that, like it makes sense to me. Like, if it makes sense to me, I can go back to it later and work on it. Um, so I'll just go super rough draft, like on something like, I'll just hum out like a really janked up melody that I'll be able to, I'll be able to understand and interpret and, um, and translate later on. And then as I continue to think about it, like I can't stop thinking about it until I get it all out of my mind. So then I'll start thinking of words, I'll run to the bathroom and I'll start like saying singing the words <laughs> in the microphone and then I'll record it, come back. And then I'll write it down in my notes. Like, I meet, I just start going to work. Like after that, I just, I start with the hook, but once I get the words there, I start building around it. I start building the, the verses and I start building the bridges and whatnot. Um, and I start working on cadence. I'll listen to, um, my past songs. and I'll just try to get that together.
0: And is that like how it works every time? Like you normally start with the hook or does it depend on the beat or d- is that kind of like your process for each one? Or is it kind of like scattered sometimes?
1: It really depends. Mainly it's hooks. Um, now sometimes verses will, will, they'll start to the kind of kick in. Um, but yeah, I think the majority of the time, it's just hooks for me, and then I'll, I'll build around it. And sometimes, if it's a song that I know, um, uh, let me try, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say. If it's a song I know that's going to be a banger, and that I like, I actually can really build upon, and I know it's going to be a banger, it'll take me a day to get it done. Like It might take me a few hours to get it done. Um, if it's one that might be a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more critical, or I feel like I need to work on it a lot, then it might take me a few days. Um, it's very rare that a song will take me months to work on. It's very rare. Normally a song will take me anywhere from a couple hours to finish writing to uh, maybe a couple of days. And those are the ones that I end up releasing. Those are, in, there's, those are the ones that you end up hearing um, on my albums, on Pandora, iTunes, whatnot those are the, it's the ones that when i listen to the beat i know exactly what i'm going to do with it immediately and it just it it's just like music vomit like it all just comes out and i just get it all written and thrown together and i record it it's done and when it's out and released i will listen to it like months later i'll be like i don't know how in the world i did that like how in the world did i think this up in a short amount of time because i can't replicate it like it, it's crazy how it works like if i make a song and it's just like i know it's a really good one and it takes me, it is super quick to make, and people love it. I'll go back to it. And I'm like, I don't know how in the world I managed to do that. Because I if you asked me to replicate that, I couldn't. I not at all.
0: Well, how do you know that it's a banger then?
1: It, man, it's man, it's it's just a feeling. I'm telling you, like, it's like I know I said earlier you're not supposed to play on your feelings, but man, like when you know, you know. It's like, um, I will I really don't know. So I'm thinking of um So, my song, Drug, and that one, I, that one's a, it's an interesting one, because I wrote it, I released it, I released it when I was in LA, I released it in 2017, but I only released it on SoundCloud, and people loved it, and people were crazy about it, they were singing it, and, um, honestly, when I was making it, in my head, I was like, okay, this is a good song, this is a really good song, like, I really like the melody, this is a good song, but, as people were telling me like, man, this song's really good. And they were singing it, It is like, man, you did this, you did that. This cadence is awesome. I was like, Oh, I did all that. Okay. Well, I didn't know,
0: but (laughs) yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I meant to do that. Yeah. Uh, But as I started to listen to it over and over again, I was like, wow, like, yeah, like I I get what they're saying. Like I'm catching on to what they're talking about. Um, and then I actually officially released drug, uh, last year, finally on iTunes and, and Spotify and all that. And You know, people still to this day, like people that are just now discovering me, like, man, this song is really good. It's my favorite one, blah, blah, blah. And in the back of my mind, I knew it was a banger. But that one, it it finally got to a point where I I had to have confidence in knowing that it was a banger. Because back in like 2017, I was still very self-conscious about my music. And I wasn't sure if I was making good music or if it was just eh. But now when it comes to like making a banger, making a really good song... I know immediately, like if I hear melody in my head and it sounds really good, I'm like, if I can replicate what I'm hearing in my head on my computer, then it's going to be a banger. And then I go to the computer and I make it and it's like as good or better Then I'm like, yeah. Yeah, this this is this one's gonna be good. This is, this one's gonna be good.
0: You'll send some to me, and I'm just like, woo! Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. I know. I'm not even a music producer, and I know. Yeah,
1: it's like, man, like I know that you you get hype about what I have. So, dude, man, I always think about you when I got something good. I'm like, man, I got to send this to him. He's gonna lose it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, dude, you also talk about the struggle, though. Sometimes where are like you're second guessing yourself. And I actually uh, a while ago interviewed the lead singer of um, Bare Naked Ladies, which is a pop band, you know, alternative rock, I guess, from you know the '90s, and they're still touring. But he said it took him a long time to get him to like really be confident in his music and music abilities. So, what would you say the click was where you were like, where your confidence, or you're like, okay, I definitely, I know what I'm doing now.
1: So I think one of the things that made me get that, it was more so like just awareness that music, like there's no right or wrong to it. There's no right or wrong to music. It's um, music can be some, you might play a song for someone and they may love it, like genuinely love it, not just like, you know, being a yes man, they may actually really love it. And you play that same exact song for someone else And they may think it's terrible. They may absolutely hate it. And I had to realize that once I started letting people listen to my music and I heard that some people really liked it and I could trust their opinion and they told me they really liked it. And then other people just kind of like pass it on. They didn't say it was terrible, but they just like passed it on or ignored it or didn't really share it. I had to come to peace with, you know, like, oh, you know, I mean, music is relative It really is relative. I mean, there's songs that some people absolutely love that I might not enjoy. That doesn't mean it's a bad song. It just means that it doesn't resonate with me. Um, I think what finally clicked it for me was when just paying attention to the music industry now and listening to a lot of the artists now um, and just listening to the diversity and listening to, you know... There's a rapper, and I haven't really listened to much much of his music. Blueface. Um, I don't know if he if he's released anything recently. Um, I haven't listened to him personally, um, but I know that he's known for sometimes rapping off beat, which that was like voodoo back in the day. Like you, you, back in like when rap Mm -hmm. was really like catching on, dude. If someone was rapping off beat, like. That was not, like, you just, like, that's not okay. That That's voodoo, like, you couldn't do that. You had to stick to, like, a linear, like, recipe for rap music. But then, like, I listen to Blueface, and I listen to how he's just rapping how he wants to, and he's being unique to himself, and rapping off beat, and just because that's how he wants to rap, and it's, and it's working. The fact that it's working, And it's putting him in a place he is in right now because he's not doing what other rap artists are doing. He's doing what he wants to do the way he wants to do it. And it's working. And then I look at all these other artists and how they're throwing in auto-tune when auto-tune was like forbidden, except unless you were T-Pain. If you weren't T-Pain, you could not do auto-tune because it just was not okay. And now everyone's doing auto-tune. And it's like and it's acceptable. So it took thing is changing, honestly, for me to look at the music industry and look at the diversity and look at how people are just being creative however they wanna be creative and doing genuinely what they wanna do, how they wanna do it, without like being told no, and it's working. So then I was like, I have to accept that what the way I do my music, as long as I'm giving my 100% in my music, it's, it's good. And it's gonna resonate with people and it's gonna be good. But I have to make sure I give my 100% of me. If I try to be someone else, it's not going to be good. It doesn't matter how many people say they like it. it. It's it's not going to be good. So I have to just have be at peace with how I sound, with how I make my music, and just believe that it's going to resonate with people enough to where it puts me somewhere, you know, Um, where I could do this for a living.
0: So I'll be honest. I haven't personally heard of him, but like, by the way you're describing it, it sounds like he's like shattering that glass ceiling Yeah. Uh, as far as like, Oh, you can't rap on beat. And do you think you could describe like coming from a artist such as yourself, or maybe I know you can't speak for him, but like you knowing that you are doing something that is voodoo, as you say, or like you're taboo, like you're not supposed to do that. Like how terrifying that is as an artist.
1: Oh yeah. Cause it's like, you're the, you are potentially the first one doing it. And it's always scary to be the first one to do something or try something, you know, it's like when you're told, no, you can't do something because there's certain, I guess quote unquote um, rules and regulations, It's very scary to be the first one to say, I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to do this anyways, because you don't know if you're right or wrong. Like, and that's just in history. And it's like, if you're the first one that wants to try to do something different, whether no one's ever done it before because they just haven't, or they haven't done it before because it's frowned upon or you can't do it, it's scary.
0: And that's why a lot of
1: people don't do it. But that's also why the people that do manage to do it are the ones that that makes something crazy, is because they challenge that like glass ceiling you said, and they choose to go to break it and go beyond because they know that there's something beyond that ceiling. That's where creativity truly comes from. That someone knows that even though that there's a wall right here, there's something past that wall. And those are the ones that break that wall. I mean, that's just with anything. I mean, Steve Jobs with Apple, like there was a wall, and he decided that he was going to break that wall no matter what it took. Like the people that are the most creative are the ones that that make stuff happen and that changed the world. Like in that that's everything. That's how we that's how we've gotten here to this day. Every if you look around your room right now, you look around your studio, you look around and see the majority of this stuff did not pop up until someone was faced with a wall and decided to break that wall because they knew that there's something on the other side.
0: In your music career so far, do you feel like you have shattered any ceilings? And that is
1: where, God, that's where I've been like the past year or so. It's been, I've been kind of flirting with that wall. <laughs> it's <just> like, it's <laughs> like I, I don't know if I need to break this one or I don't know if I need to just stay in it. It's like, it's like, I know that I need to push the envelope and I know I need to break the wall. That's not in discussion. I know I need to do it. It's how do I go about doing it? I know that I am supposed to do something unique to me, not try to force it, but do something unique to me because I'm unique and my sound is different, but I need to figure out how to do it in the best way to do it. And that's been been the discovery the past few years for me. It's like, because whenever I first started doing music, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to try to be like other people because, you know, I just, I don't have a sound. I don't know what I'm supposed to sound like. So I'm going to try and mimic this guy, that guy or that person. But then the past few years is like, well, I mean, I need to be myself. I need to be my own creative. I need to do, I need to stand out and be proud of how I sound and what I write. Um, and so with, I'm actually going to release a song here in a month and it's got a little bit of, of wall breaking aspects of it. Something that you don't normally hear from from artists, from rap artists, um, but it's something that I want to try because it resonates with me and who I am and my personality And it's something that rap artists don't really do. So I'm along with flirting with that glass wall. I'm going to try to break it with this single that I have coming out here in a month. Um, I actually sent you a little snippet of that of that. That was the the most recent one I sent you. Um, So that's going to be my little experiment to see if, if this is if what I'm feeling is is a good idea to just run with. So.
0: And can you give like a little preview or do you want to keep it under wraps or like as far as like what you're doing to shatter that ceiling?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I really don't mind like sharing um, at all because I want people to know who I am from beginning to end. I mean, I, I know some artists, they like to keep things kind of secret and, and some, some things, you know, is best to keep secret and under wraps, but. I mean, if I'm able to share information, then I want people to know who I am inside and out as an artist, but as a, as a person too. Um, so I, I'm a huge, I, I, am a huge dweeb. I'm a nerd. I love anime that like, that's just, (laughs) I I, am going to, I cannot stress that enough on my social media. I want people to know how much of a nerd I am that way. They're not like, Oh my God, you're a nerd. Like, no, I've, I've been that like, so Uh, the past few years I've been studying Japanese. I've been learning Japanese uh, because I've always been fascinated with the culture and the language. Um, And one of my friends let me listen to a couple of like Korean songs. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And then I found out that that Korean band is like really popular, even in America, like they're on Saturday night live. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. So this is happening. This diversity is really starting to happen. Like the, the creativity of music is it, we're we're finally sparking it. Like a lot of things are happening in the world for the better with uh, diversity and change and music. I mean, you have Spanish, you have Drake singing Spanish in his songs and stuff like that. So it's just like, okay, we're having bilingual, multilingual songs. Like that's a new thing and it's actually picking up traction. So I need to figure out if I'm able to do that because I like Japanese and I enjoy Japanese and I want to see if I can do that. So I was like, let me try this out because it resonates with me and my complete nerdiness, <laughs> but also um, it works with the songs that I'd make. So um, some of my lyrics in the song is going to be Japanese um, and I'll have translations as well, but um, I'm trying this out to see if it will resonate with people, if it will um, be unique enough to really kind of hold its own in 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 my catalog of music and see if it just kind of, things in a different direction and, and spark something so we're gonna try it out and we're gonna see what happens.
0: How long did it take you to learn Japanese?
1: Oh my god. That's not Spanish.
0: <laughs> yeah you know? it's
1: it's hard man. Like I don't think I'm gonna ever learn the symbols because like the actual writing of it is just it's beyond comprehension. I don't understand why like an A is like three different like letters or characters. Um the the speaking of it is is fairly simple um because there's only one way to say something. Um, so it, it's not the hardest. Like I know like certain phrases, uh, Ohio, Genku Desuka, like Sumimasen, like certain phrases, uh, it's just constructing sentences is where I'm at right now. That's a little hard, but even with sentences it's like, like it's, it's all, there's only one way to say something. So it, it's, it's starting to kind of build a, um, starting to kind of repeat itself. So I'm starting to, I'm starting to catch on to like how everything works, how sentences work, how phrases and words are supposed to be put into a sentence. So it's not the hardest. Um, it was really difficult the first year, but I'm on year two now. So it's, it's, I'm learning, <laughs> still kind of difficult.
0: Are you using like Rosetta Stone or are you like, do you have a, like a mentor or like a teacher?
1: Duolingo is what I've been using. Uh, it's a little app on my phone. That's fairly, fairly popular. I think Rosetta Stone is, is a lot better obviously. Cause I mean, even though you have to pay for it, it's like a lot more in depth with like guiding you through a, a completely new language. Um, Duolingo, I mean, it's free and it, it 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 helps you, but you have to really use it like daily, hourly, like religiously to actually learn a language. And um, so whenever I have downtime at work, which is pretty much all the time, I'm like, well, might as well just learn some more um, more Japanese. And uh, since I think it's the fact that I enjoy the language, like if I was trying to learn Spanish, I wouldn't learn it at all because it, I don't necessarily enjoy the, the language. I enjoy Japanese. I enjoy learning it. So... Um, I think that's what makes it a little bit easier for me to learn, so... Um, yeah, I've been using Duolingo for about two, two and a half years now, I think.
0: It's interesting because I actually grew up with guys who were into Japanese anime and things like that. So I kind of know what you're talking about. Um, like I'm sure, you know, there's, what are they called? Not Comic-Con, but, um, there's like Dragon Con for, you know, those big festivals where you dress up as the anime and, you know, those, uh, what was it like? Trigun. Yeah. yeah. Evangelion, um, yeah. Ninja Scroll, like these are all Japanese, like anime, animation, um movies or whatever. So I'm really curious because there was a couple bands who used to do like they used to take those videos or like some action scene from some of those movies and put their music behind it. Oh, so I feel dude. like if if you, I'm sure you've already thought about it, but have you thought about doing something like that too?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, man. Um, I remember so that would be a dream to me (laughs) to like have my song like on like an actual like anime scene whether it's like a battle scene or like its own unique like um uh like movie uh to the song um that to me is is a dream and if that ever happens that would be incredible and that would be one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me um There was a uh, there's a song uh, called Shelter by Porter Robinson and, and Median. Uh, Median like one of my favorite um, EDM artists um, and it's called Shelter. And the music video is an anime uh, short. It's it was literally created for the song, like just a three and a half minute song or I think it's like three and a half, four minute song. And the clip was made just for the song. And that feeling to have like an authentic anime studio want to create a three and a half, four and a half minute, like video clip to your song. I mean, that's just, that's just awesome. I've, I've thought about it. I've, I would love that. Um, and I, and I feel like that would be on down the road for me for sure. I'm going to put that in one of my, it, it's been in my plans. Um, uh, hopefully as music, as my music continues to grow, that, that happens, there's an opportunity somewhere to where I can, I can make that a reality and that'd be incredible.
0: And well, I'm glad we're, you know, talking about because it, it's documented now. So it's out there. So when it does happen, we'll be like, oh, snap. Yeah, will, we'll
1: go back to this moment. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, but d- uh, before I forget, like when you're learning Japanese, how do you translate that into like, you know, bars? And can you explain what bars are real quick?
1: Man, so like trying to implement like a different language into uh, music, when you're trying to do it in uh, your language, it is weird. It is very weird. Um, I had to listen to uh, the the group's name is BTS. Um, they're a Korean, they're a Korean group. And again, my friend recommended me listen to them, but I had to listen to them, even though it's Korean, like the way they do their cadences in their bars and synchronize their, their, their synonyms and their words into the bars. I had to learn that because... I didn't know where to put certain phrases or how to make it sound. Um, I knew how to say the actual words, but I didn't really understand. Like, if I put it right there, is it going to make sense? Is it going to translate? Like, is it going to actually, if someone Japanese listens to this, are they going to be offended by what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) so I had to make sure like, okay, I need to make sure I'm saying this right, using the right, like right vowels and that I'm putting it in the right sections of the beat to where it, it makes sense. Because it made, made sense to me because I, I'm, you know, I'm American and I speak English. It sounds like it makes sense. But I have to make sure it makes sense to people who actually speak Japanese and make sure that the way I put the words and the timing of my words translates to what they're hearing and that it makes sense for everybody else listening. So I had to study BTS um, and listen to them um, and how they did their how they do their music, because they have a, a lot of their beats are, are like trendy. Like they're like 808s or hard hitting. They're like what a lot of our Western culture is using. So it's very synonymous with what we do over here in America. It's just a different language. So so I had to make sure I was capturing how they were doing theirs and implement it into the phrases I was using on this song.
0: And do you think it will give you an advantage kind of that you don't know? how to properly put this stuff together. And then once it's together and it makes sense and it's almost like, since you didn't know certain verbs and vowels go here and here, but you pieced it together like this, is it possible? They look at you and they're like, Oh my God, this guy's a genius.
1: Possibly. I I think that's how a lot of, uh, uh, creativity, a lot of creations or sorry, a lot of inventions happen. I think that's a lot of how it goes. It just goes back to that creativity. I think it's like, I think it's just going for it, not waiting for um, to do everything perfectly, like trusting that you're going to give it your all to do to, to figure this out and do it the best way you can um, going to YouTube University, listening to someone do this a certain way and then just going for it um, because people wait on opportunity, but you got to create the opportunity. You have to make the opportunity happen. And that's how creation works, because if you wait an opportunity to make something, then someone else is going to do it before you. So even though I'm going to do it and it might not be, let's say I do it the the wrong way or haphazardly, it may, like you said, it may work out to where like, oh my God, this guy's a genius. Like he he's figuring this out. He's doing this. He's the first one that's, that's, that's done this. And I may either do it right or do it wrong and figure it out and do it right or spark the idea for someone else. But you know, it's, it's just throwing it out there and giving it a shot and trying and giving it you know, just, just the best you can and seeing what happens. I think it definitely would give me advantage because I mean, I'm the first one to to do it to my knowledge. I'm the first one to do it. So, you know, it'll, it'll be documented right now as we're talking, it's going to be documented.
0: Right <laughs> <laughs> and is it, and is this one of, is this one a banger?
1: I, oh uh, yeah, dude. It Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this one I knew, I, I knew. <laughs> That's why I sent it to you. I was like, I, I, I yeah. Yeah, this, this is one.
0: I'm glad you know it, but it's like, as you know, in the industry, not everybody knows that sort of thing. And to kind of talk about when you were in L.A., you said, you know, um you talk about how a lot of people, you know, whether they're listeners or management or labels, just didn't get your music?
1: Oh, d- man. <laughs> so, OK, there is a guy that was um, he was. I don't really know how to explain him. He wanted to be my manager, but he was managing someone else. It was, it was a weird, it was a weird, it was a weird thing, but, um, long story short. So, uh, I was working at Verizon in California that way. It paid the bills that way I can, um, fund surviving, uh, on top of music. Um, and a guy came in and he, apparently he worked with Drake or worked, uh, with someone. I think he was at the, he worked at one of the labels. I don't remember which one, but, um, he claimed he worked with Drake, so I, I, you know, I was just like, OK, I took it with a grain of salt and just, you know, gave him the benefit of the doubt. But a few uh, discussions later, as we talked about and told him I did music and he gave me his card. Uh, he worked at a, a fairly popular record label out there in L.A. Um, so I was like, OK, well, this is legit because he works at this really well-known label um, where a lot of famous artists like come out of. So I'm going to trust this guy's judgment. Like if he's there, whatever he's saying is is true. Like it just makes sense. And to an extent, I mean, like he said things that were, you know, that made sense and that I needed to avoid. And he looked out for me and he was a good guy. I genuinely believe he's a good guy and he was looking out for me. But whenever it came to my music, he always critiqued it in a way that didn't make sense to me. Like he would always, there would never be a song that I made that he was like, oh my god, like. This is this is it like we're going to take this to a label and get you signed. It was always, oh, man, this one's really good. But all of this I don't like or all of this wouldn't make sense. This doesn't work like it was it was a lot of critiquing. It went it reminded me of just how it's been back home, like back in the early days uh, back home where I was just get critiqued for my music left and right. So um, this guy and, I, and I'm i sure his intentions were well it uh, were good. And he's a he's a good guy. And he looked he looked out for me a lot while I was out there but he was he was always critiquing my music but then whenever we would hang out he would play music for me and he was like man this guy's on the come up I'm I might be managing him blah blah and it was just like I I was like I, I don't really get it like what do you see in him that you don't see in me like what I'm he sounds like and that's not to knock on the artists we were listening to but like the artists he would play for me is like these guys sound like everybody else that's trying to make it in this industry. And that's what I'm not trying to do. Like my whole thing is I'm not trying to sound like everybody else that's doing this. There's no point. Why do you want to be a carbon copy of everybody else? Like, why are you praising this guy that sounds like everybody else? But then you want to critique my stuff. That's unique to sound like everybody else's. So it just didn't make sense. And I was just like, okay, this is uh, this is not working. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but it's just, I, I, I feel it in my gut that I'm not supposed to change myself for for the industry. So,
0: And I'm glad you didn't, man, because like I said, it's just, oh, that could have gone. I mean, that's the thing. It's like when you know a good song, like you can just feel it. And I think a lot of people need to just recognize almost like going, you know, they talk about going with your gut and that was one of your gut feelings.
1: Yep, A hundred percent, man. It really was. It's just like, I just, I, I just know, like, because I, I've been in situations where I tried to sound like someone else and it just, it just, it was such a terrible feeling. It was such a terrible feeling. It's like when I was younger and people made fun of me for how I dressed. I, and so I wanted to dress, because I, I didn't wear baggy clothes. Like back in the early 2000s, it was like baggy clothes were like the thing, like And I didn't
0: Jinko, Jinko's man.
1: Yeah. Like, and I didn't dress like that just because I didn't want to, like I dressed clothes, I wore clothes that fit me that were fitted. And one day I was like, you know what? I'm tired of getting picked on. This was eighth grade. I was like, I'm tired of getting picked on. I'm going to dress like this. That way I can be accepted. And everyone was like, dang man, it's about time, blah, blah. And like, you know, everyone's hyping me up and like, giving me compliments. But I felt so disgusted with myself because I was like, I'm not me. Like I'm not who I am. Why do I want gratification from people, people's approval of myself if I'm not really myself? So the same thing just translated into music. It was just like my manager, leader, whoever he was, like he loved it when I sounded like other people. But when I tried to sound like myself, it would, there was always discussion. There was always critiquing. There's always take this out, take this out, add this, take this out. So Yeah, man. I just, I just knew it just reminded me of, of back in eighth grade. I just knew like this is, I mean, this is me and I'm going to make the music that resonates with me. And that's who who I am, regardless of what people say.
0: You were out there for a good, you know, seven months. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but like for people who haven't been to Los Angeles, like that's a long time. That first year I feel like is the hardest, but Mm -hmm. was it what you expected it to be when you got there?
1: It was, it, I don't know, man, there's a lot of emotions that were going throughout my head every single day because going to LA was a dream ever since I started music. It was like this fantasy. It was like, you know, society teaching you that these big cities like Atlanta, LA, New York, that's where the dreams happen, you know, like, you know how like society and then what how they feed you that stuff. So it's just like... It was a burning desire in me so much that I would have these dreams. I'd wake up in cold sweats, just like my heart be racing. Like, like I'd be dreaming of myself going to LA and and making the trip and and getting there and and blowing up. Um. So when I get there, like when I'm driving, I'm enjoying it. When I finally get there, like it's it's crazy. It's surreal. Like I, I'm. It blows my mind. Um. And to actually physically be there was beyond my expectations. It was. It was the feeling was incredible. Um, there were a lot of things there that were not what I dreamed of and that were terrible. And I could not stand, but physically being in LA and saying that I got there and I was living there and I was breathing in there and I made a dream become a reality. That was what was, uh, what was crazy for me. That's what, what was surreal to me. Um, it was beyond my expectations. Um, Everything except for actual Hollywood. I went to Hollywood. I was like, Oh my god, this place is terrible. <laughs> it's like run down. There's trash everywhere. It's so like so bad, dude. Yeah, man. Like I would that I was not expecting that. I was like, wow, it's like this place is abandoned. It's just terrible. So
0: And that's what I try to tell people about LA. Like, people don't realize I mean, you see the movie stars, you see the red carpets, the flash. I'm telling you, Hollywood is a dumpster. I mean, mm-hmm. the, I always tell people like, you know, the homeless people there were like The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Like it was, you know, like it was just dirty. It just the roads and like it's just so bad. It hasn't been updated. Yeah, it's a big, huge. I would say misconception about what Hollywood actually is.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, I was where is it called? Is it Skid Row? Is that right? Skid Row. Skid Row. Dude, I. Ended up accidentally getting on Skid Row one day because I was just traveling and I was just driving around. Every day I would just drive around and see what I could get myself into. And so I stumbled on Skid Row and I was like, oh my God, I could literally look down for miles on that road and there was just trash. There was homeless people. There was tents left and right for miles straight down, like for at least a solid mile, just straight down. Like it was... It like it, it opened my eyes, man. Like I was driving really slow, just looking around like, oh, my God, like this is this is crazy. And I almost hit I, almost, I remember I almost hit a homeless person like he was he just walked out in the middle of the road and like I stopped and I honked the horn and I, he, I'll never forget the look on his face. He just slowly turned and looked at me as if he literally had nothing to live for. Like he just as if there was no life in him. He just stared at me. And then he just slowly looked forward and just slowly just walked away. Like it literally, there was no sense of urgency or danger or fear. It was just like, it's as if he just gave up on everything and and nothing mattered. And he was like, I mean, if you hit me, it'd be like, it'd be, it'd be a great thing if you just hit me. I was like, oh my God, like it was, it was crazy. But yeah, I, I never knew that that was out there until seeing it and experiencing it. it is sad, man. It really is.
0: It is, it is sad. And there's a whole bunch of issues behind that. What was the straw that broke the camel's back where you're like, you know what? Um, uh, I'm, I'm done.
1: It was, it was a really hard time, man. Um, so when I was working at Verizon, um, I was, they, they had this huge downsizing and whatnot that happened with the company. Um, it was all over the news back in the years. Um, and thankfully all that settled now and they're good. The company's good, but there's just a lot of people are just doing the, the wrong things. Um, and the managers, they, they brought in new managers and the, the leadership was just like, it would, they, they finally weeded them out too, because they were just, they were going against like you know, the company's code of ethics, you know, Um, because that company holds itself to a standard and those managers were not holding themselves to that standard and they were trying to do things the wrong way. Uh, Definitely, obviously won't say any names or anything like that, but um, they were teaching us to do things the wrong way and my moral compass was just not having it. And I was just like, look, like I'm not here to, to screw people over. I'm here to help people. And you know, if I get in trouble for that, so be it, but I'm not going to do things that are going to hurt somebody. Um, and it, I was like about to get fired. Um, and if I got fired, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I, I I don't know how I'm going to survive. I don't know how I'm going to live. I don't know how I'm going to make it here. If I get fired, like, this is what's holding me together. This is, what, this is what's keeping me above water. Um, so I was getting pressured into selling the wrong way and doing this and that. And it, it was really eating me up inside, and I didn't realize it until one day. I mean, I just, I went off, um, at which I've never done before. I've never went off on anybody, and, and I did. And I just felt so much pent-up rage and anger and aggression just coming out, and I knew something was wrong. I was like, this is not who I am. This is not okay, and I've never been like this, and this is terrible. Like, I just felt horrible. Um, So I took a leave of absence, and I was just, you know, just— resting and going to therapy and whatnot, just trying to focus on music, just trying to get back on the, on the grind. And no matter what, man, I just saw myself sinking into this abyss of, um, depression and I was drinking, dude, it was, it was bad, man. I was, I was falling into alcohol and smoking and it was, and just, it was, it was, I was in a really bad place for, uh, about a month. My last month there, it was just like, I, I, I gotta get out of here before I get deeper down in this pit and I can't get out. Um, so it wasn't even music. It was just like the stuff that was pent up in me from my, from my day job finally came out and it was just, it was such a weight. And I was diagnosed with depression and like anxiety and and like anger, all like, like just anger issues, all of it, all at once. And it was just like, I was not handling it the best way at all. I was turning to the wrong things and my focus just deviated from music and it just went to everything else that shouldn't be. I I fell into the temptations of LA. Um, and I found myself doing that and I was like, I have to make a decision. I, I either stay here and complete and continue to just implode on myself like a dying star, or I get out of here, go back home, be around the right circle of influence, be back in the Bible belt of Tennessee. And, um, And just get myself back together. So I just made the decision one day, like one morning, like when everyone was sleeping, I just packed up and I just left. I said, mom, I'm coming back home. So
0: I actually have a similar story. It's going to be a whole different episode about why I left LA. And it's so fun. Like I just resonate with literally everything you just said up at, you know, so much so to even on actually um, leaving. And if you don't mind me asking, like on the drive home, what was the drive home like?
1: It was uh, it was definitely the complete opposite of the feeling I had whenever I uh, went to LA because when the second I left for LA, like I felt, I, and I'm not exaggerating this, the second I went to LA and I started driving, I was in Tennessee still. Like the second I started driving, I felt alive. I literally felt like for the first time in my life, I was alive and I was doing something for me. But when I was coming back home, I felt like I was the biggest failure and everybody that ever said anything about me not making it was true. Um, and I felt like I had to, I had to live with that for the rest of my life because I told everyone that, you know, I'm finally going to do it. I'm finally going to get out and make it. Um, I'll show you all that I'm capable. And then I'm coming home with my pride broken and like, just kind of like a, I feel like everyone's saying, you know, we told you so. And, that just that just it, i had to feel that feeling on the way home for 30 hours
0: i felt the same way and i literally drove back in complete silence i don't know if you Dang. did but like i just it was like a lot of reflection did you do the same
1: so i had to listen to music because that's the only way i can drive that long and not lose my mind but i did not say a word i was not vibing out to any music everything i was just listening to was just like chill laid back um and then i think when i was in Texas. I actually wasn't listening to anything. I was talking to myself, just kind of reflecting on everything. That was a halfway mark. Texas was for me, I think. Yeah. So uh, during driving through Texas, the top part of it, because I was on 40 uh, East, um, I was just talking to myself and I was just like, where did I go wrong? Like, what could I have done to prevent everything that happened? And why, what am I leaving behind? I was so close to my dreams and I let the opportunity just fade away is what all those thoughts were in my head. I was literally just talking through all of it while I was in Texas. Um, but yeah, I had to listen to something because if I didn't listen to music, I was gonna, I was gonna lose my mind, and I just had to just be quiet and just keep my mind from like not feeling like it was going to
0: explode. Dude, same here. I mean, except that, like I said, it was more therapeutic on my end because mm-hmm. I'd been there for so long. I was there for five years, so when I left, it was like as soon. as... And I think we, I think we were actually on the same road back because I went through Tennessee. Uh, on the way back, but I just remember when I saw the sign for Arizona, it was like "Welcome to Arizona, dude." It was like I was being baptized, like just all the toxic crap that comes along with LA. Just like it was just gone, dude. It was like, it was insane.
1: I I, I I know what you're talking about, like that that feeling of just like that clean feeling where you just kind of like leave and you're just out of that that toxic bubble. I did, I did actually feel that for a second. Um, I was still, I think I was still in, in California when I was driving, but when I got out of like L.A. and I was leaving outside of like L.A. in that little, that area, and I was just out of that city, that's when I felt, I did feel that. It was like, it just felt like I was getting out of that just, I don't know, dude, it felt so just... Thick, like yeah, that like, energy, like a so weight's thick. been lifted. Yeah. Everything, yeah, it's like you're drinking like detox tea. <laughs> it's like and it's like everything. It like, really is. It's it, man, like I, I get that. That's crazy. Like that's. I wonder how many other people go through that. That like yeah, it's that got leave. it's got
0: to be everybody. Yeah. I am convinced that it's everybody. And another thing, because like a lot of people who, as that was what kept me there for so long is I didn't want, I remember even talking with one of, I, you know, I was in a broadcast news uh, background before I got into LA or whatever, but I just remember uh, one of my buddies and I were talking, we're like, you know what? Like, I can't, I can't go back. Like if people, if I come back, you know, it's like you said, like people are going to laugh. They're going to be like, well, at least you tried, you gave it your, you gave it your shot. And it's like, that's the worst thing you could say to somebody right. you feel like your tails between your legs. Like it is the worst feeling. But then again, like, like I went through that too, but then I started to realize like the day and age we're in man, like, okay, LA, New York are like the entertainment hubs. Right. Right. But it's like, okay, there are the hubs, but dude, you like the era of the internet. Like, that's why, like, I don't think people realize how big it is. Like whether it's Instagram, whether you're TikTok, whether you're Snapchat, whether you're YouTube SoundCloud, right? Dude you can do everything from where you are like you don't need to be in LA like and that's and that's taken a long time to really realize because dude i was watching videos on youtube of like farmers in Wyoming who've got like 200,000 followers and they're showing people how to, you know, get eggs and milk goats. And (laughs) I'm like, I'm sitting here, you know, interviewing celebrities and I'm still like, what is going on? And it, and it's just, it's great. Like, and that's what I'm saying. When people, you know, I've run into a couple people here and they're, you know, they say, Oh, sorry. It didn't work out. It's like, no, 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 no. It just didn't work out in LA. Like I I'm still doing the same thing. I'm just, I'm doing it here. Yep. And to be honest with you, man, I'm getting more traction here than I did there.
1: Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? It's the works? most
0: bizarre <laughs> thing, but it's just crazy. And I don't know if you felt this way too, is like, it's almost like come full circle. Like you yeah. start, like for me, I started in Atlanta. Then I went to Colorado, then Oregon, then Michigan, then Vegas, then LA, but now full circle, all this experience, all these skills, all this, everything back to Atlanta, back home.
1: Right. Yeah. It's like, and for me, it's, it's a complete circle, more so like a complete like line because I just went, the only place I really went to pursue music was LA and then just straight back. But I mean, everything that I've learned and everything I've I've experienced and, and needed, I, it just, I started here and I'm back here. Like, and I'm doing better. Like you said, like you, I'm getting more traction, more attention. I'm getting more reach and more audience here in Knoxville, the place where people don't really go for music and for labels or anything like that. It's just like social media now, like you, you can, you can pop off anywhere. Like a lot of artists that get discovered and that make it or whatever the case may be, look at where they're from. Like, they're random cities in random states. Like, it, it's just random places. Like, I mean, it, and it's just, once I, once I looked at that, like, this was recently, I was like, I don't need to be somewhere oversaturated with artists trying to do what I'm trying to do. I need to blow my city up because I'm the only one doing it here. And that ge- that gives me greater chances to be somewhere where I'm not like, try to fight the crowd to be seen. Like I I can be, I can be seen here easily because I'm the only one really doing it the way I do it here. And social media, like you said, like you can, if you utilize it correctly, I mean, you you don't need to be anywhere busy. I mean, your business is in your phone.
0: Yep. Be the, I think Gary V talks about it. Be the mayor of your own town is what he says. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, dude, I could talk about this stuff forever. I want to be respectful of your time, man. Um, if you were to give anybody advice on, you know, start, if they, you know, had a dream same as yours, like they wanted to produce music, they wanted to write music, whether it's rap, rock, whatever, what would you say to them if they came to you and were like, Hey, like, what do, what do, what do I need to do?
1: Oh man. Uh, First and foremost, man, I would tell someone you have, if this is truly something in you that you know that you're, that, that that's you, I'm going to take religion out of it. I'm going to take all these other aspects out of it because people get confused with all these other things. I just want to focus on you. If what you want to bring out there and give to the world and share with the world is directly coming from you and it's, and you know, it's something that resonates within yourself, then you need to do it regardless of what anyone says. And the very first thing you need to do is to learn how to tell the people you love that regardless of your decision, regardless of what you think about what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. Like if you have a girlfriend or wife that doesn't really believe in your dreams or think they're far fetched or think they might be crazy or you. Or you know your circumstances, people around you, your circle, your friends, like oh you know you shouldn't do this uh. right now at this very moment before you even start. Learn to tell them I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to pursue this because this is who I am, and and be true to yourself. Do not try to coat things for Instagram. Do not try to make things look pretty. Get your stuff out there. Make it yours. Make it unique. And believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. I'm like. I didn't have anyone that believed in me when I was starting this this journey. My parents had no idea what I was trying to do. My mom, which I, I hold as my my day one, I mean, she's been there from, from the get, like when we had nothing, when I lived in shelters and abandoned housing, she was there, you know? Like, so she's there, so I trust her judgment and her words, like, to the death, so it was hard when I tried to start this music journey and she told me that I shouldn't do it. Like the, the way I do it, I should do it a different way. I should do it differently. I should, I shouldn't talk about this or that, or I mean, and, and she never supported my music really the best of her abilities. And I asked her about it one day and she told me it's because I didn't believe it's how you're supposed to do it. It's like, and it is hard when, when your number one tells you they can't support your dream to the fullest because they don't believe it's how you're supposed to do it. And you have to, you have to build that mental toughness to say, it doesn't matter if you're someone random that doesn't believe in it or doesn't want me to do it a certain way, or you're my day one. And you tell me that, you know, I, I shouldn't do it this certain way. You have to be able to push through that, those obstacles and, 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 those rejections from the people you love most and you care and treasure the most. If you truly believe it's what you're called to do and what you're supposed to do, then make it happen and shut out the noise, no matter who it is.
0: Who, man, that was good stuff. <laughs> that was good. Man. Um, <laughs> and on that note, man, we're, uh, where can we find where can we find all your stuff online? Oh, and I'm going to link everything up in the uh, show notes as well.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Oh, dude, I'm on Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, um, Pandora. Uh, you can look me up by uh, Cyanai, Cyan C-O-I-A-N, in space, and then I. So it's just two words. Um, and you can find me anywhere. You look me up on um, Spotify and Apple Music. That's where you'll find most of my content. I'm on Tidal as well. Um, You can add me on a radio, uh, on your radio, on Pandora, if you want to. I'm just, I'm on the come up. So, you know, remember the name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I would love your help. This podcast is brand new, so I need all the help I can get. If you would, just subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating. I really, really would appreciate it. And last but not least, I got a little something for (laughs) you. For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce your own content. And now I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really like your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry. I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training, so that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in On Camera Professionals, and I'll see you there.